Michael, I'm getting a sense of deja vu um, <laughs> on this one. Why, why might that be? Oh, we've had an absolute stinker, haven't we, Rob? We were crowing about doing our earliest record yet. Came on at 7.50. Did a lovely half hour. We literally were in the final minutes, weren't we? We were in the final minute or two, and then Rob's laptop started. It needed an update there and then. And so off it went, and off went our recording into the never zone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I still can't quite believe what's happened. I was all ready to start work half an hour early, 8.30, so I could finish early. Edit the podcast, get it up. I was in. I was feeling like, wow, early bird catches a worm, and then, bang, technology has the last laugh, and we have to go again. And it does mean we're going to have to raffle through this, doesn't it, Michael? A little review of test one and two of the West Indies series. Uh, but it's been a great series so far, hasn't it? Uh, really, really enjoyable. West Indies acquitted themselves well, particularly in that first test. Worthy winners. And um, what have your overall feelings towards it been? I feel like it's been a brilliant series. Um... And it's really nice, actually, to watch West Indies doing well. You know, watching, watching the Ashes when Australia do well, which makes me angry. I just really don't like them on the pitch. Um, but watching Jason Holder take a five for made me smile. And, I, and the world needs a good West Indies team. And I think this West Indies team are full of players who are all united behind the captain, pulling in the same direction. You can tell from these two tests, barely anyone's given their wicket away. They're really grafting. And it's making for a brilliant test series. Um, so, yeah. It's been it's been good to watch. How about you, Rob? Yeah, it's, it's been excellent. I I do feel the West Indies side are a little bit low on top quality, um, with a, a few notable exceptions, perhaps Holder in particular. Um, but I, I think Shamar Brooks looks like a player. I'm just saying, I think Shamar Brooks looks like a really good player, and he's got a very good average from his five tests or whatever it is. Yeah, and I suppose there's always that kind of, there are lots of players who people thought, mm, they, they, look, they look all right, they, they look good, and then go on to have excellent careers. So it's a young side, so I'm sure there may be some of them who go on to prove me wrong, and we look back at this West Indies team and think, oh, that was a good side, look at some of the big names in that team. But as it stands, I think they're a little bit low on quality, but as you say, they've, they've really turned up, been, they're well up for it, and they've... Played, played superbly, particularly in that first test. Bowled and fielded really, really well. As said, batting throughout the series, even though we rolled them twice quite quickly in this last test, we still feel they they really dug in. They're also so, um, um, they're also doing well in the face of very bad umpiring in the first test. Second test was fine, but the first test they had to overturn almost every single decision they got. Yeah, they did. Uh, particularly the first couple of days, it was it was extraordinary because both Richard Illingworth and Richard Castleborough are two of the world's best. Um, so I, I wonder if it was rustiness on their part more than anything. I, I did a lot of, I'd say a lot of the calls, over a couple of them, I thought, wow, that's a bad decision. But a lot of them, I, at first glance, I was with the umpire, I thought, oh, no, that looks like it's going over. Or it was just, um, but it was just unfortunate that every single one was against the West Indies. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know it was just rustiness. Yeah. I know it was the same getting it wrong, but it was just every single one. And this is the first Test series in however long that we haven't had neutral umpires, and it was very unfortunate. Yeah, for yeah, it was unfortunate timing because, I mean, in the, thankfully, they won that test in a way. So there's no sense of it wasn't 13 against 11 or anything like that. But I do think uh, the umpires, in particularly in, in this most recent test, Michael Goff especially. Um, Michael Goff's a great umpire. Great hat as well. Yeah, great hat. There's a lot of, a lot of talk about that wider brim uh, that, that people were, were enjoying. But no, I think as a series, it's been fantastic. From England point of view, the first test was really disappointing. A lot of batsmen got starts and then threw it away. 
And I think they learned from that in the second test, as, as, as you can see from the second test, we put up a big score. But so many batsmen in that first test got starts and threw it away. And actually Stokes himself, we will lord, you know, forevermore, because he is the hero of English cricket. But he twice was in great positions to kind of put the game out of West Indies' reach and twice gave it away. And I think he will have been very annoyed at that, hence why he then went and hit this mammoth tutton in the second test. But yeah, I feel like the batsmen let themselves down a bit in that first test um, and the bowling selection was questionable. I think leaving Broad out in England when he's led the attack for a year wasn't the right thing to do and he's shown that in the second test. No, he didn't. I do think actually leaving him out of that first test really fired him up for the second one. He, he was bowling with a point to prove. I remember before the series started, he said he was worried about struggling to get himself up to the games without a crowd because he really buzzes off the crowd and, and enjoys that. But I think not selecting him if anything, therefore gave him a real focus and bit between his teeth for the second test to prove himself and to show what a, what a top quality player he is. And I think, yeah, in hindsight, definitely the wrong decision not to pick him in the first test. The toss was probably the wrong decision as well. Bowling first, I think we could, I think we could have and probably would have run through them, put us in a position where really the West Indies are really going to struggle to come back to a first inning score of sub-200. I think it's harsh to blame the result on Stokes' decision at the toss. I think really, ultimately, you have to look at England bowling poorly, particularly in that first inning. They outplayed us. Archer. They, just, they outplayed us in that first test. Yeah, they did. They did outplay us. They, they batted better than us and they bowled much better than us. And the top, I think England had played as well as they could and should have done. Opting to bat first would have, wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, we would have won the test either way. And that, well, Archer yeah, bowled wonderfully in the second innings. It was a bit of a one-man band. He did. It, uh, it was. He's so dangerous. And that's Archer at his best when the game's slipping away from us. The feeling of that he's the... We'll be talking about it in our, in our recently lost recording. He's a <laughs> bowler who makes something happen. Who, when it's looking like the game's getting away from you because of his extra pace. And not actually just because of his extra pace. Because of the variations he has and his... He gets good bounce. And he also... It doesn't give much away from his run-up, his action, whether it's going to be a short or nasty one or full. And I think it's very hard for batsmen to play him. Yeah, they say... Yeah, they basically pick the bouncer late, very late. Hence why he was whacking Steve Smith and Mons Labuschain and, and the helmet at Lords last summer uh, and that kind of thing. So he, he did bowl well. And what did you think about well, Anderson? Because I thought he bowled well in the first innings, but he looked pretty neutered in the second innings. I, mean, I thought he was okay. I mean, wasn't. I mean, he's old now. Maybe I'm going to be one of those early naysayers of Anderson and he'll continue to be playing in five years' time, proving us all wrong. But he is getting to the point where he is. Old. I'd certainly put Broad ahead of him as our best bowler, really. And I don't think there's much to pick between him and Wokes either now. He didn't really play last summer. So it's, we're looking back to 2018 since Anderson was really England's star player. I think, yeah. I think he's got something to, for the first time in a long time, he's got a little something to prove. Not in terms of his career, obviously, but in terms of that he's still in our strongest bowling lineup after all the injuries and everything. And I thought Wood was disappointing. Would it looks like he might be a better bowler away than home? Yeah, there's that stat going around that he had the worst bowling average of anyone in any, any English bowler who's bowled what more than 200 balls or something since yeah. 2000. So it's him and Craig White, I think, way down, and Ashley Giles in the 40s, uh, and everyone else up in the 30s. And then some bowlers, tellingly, Chris Wokes, right, right up there in the low 20s. So is Archer, and so um. Yeah, I, I think Wood was a big opportunity for him. I don't think he really grasped it at all. And I, I wonder whether that means he's dropped down the pecking order for late, later in the summer. 
So then we move to the Quickly second test, completely new bowling lineup. Wokes, Cohen, Broad. And they did really well. Yeah, they did fantastically. Broad, as we already said, superb. One of those match-winning, game-turning spells that he has on Sunday afternoon when the game was slipping away. Yeah, it was a dead game. It was a a dead game and Broad turned it around. I was saying to you earlier, I thought it was was such a dead game. I I turned over from Test Match Special when I was in the car to the Capital Big Top 40. Big mistake, big mistake. See if Jason Derulo could hold on to the number one spot. Well, no, big, big mistake. He should have been listening to, to Broad rip through the West Indies and, and turn the game on his head once again, turn a series on his head. Broad, Broad is one of those bowlers who makes you suddenly switch channel or he makes you tell everyone in your house he likes cricket. Come watch, Broad's doing it again. You know, he's so exciting when his knees are pumping and he's, he's flying in and he's on a roll and he's celeb appealing every single time it hits the pads or the inside edge or not. He is just great to watch when he's in one of those spells and he completely turned the game around and he was very well backed up by Chris Wokes. And unlike, unlike Chris Wokes and Ben Stokes and Ollie Pope and Rory Burns, where the long hair looks terrible, with Broad, it just brings back memories of a young Stuart Broad, 2009 Ashes, bowling Australia out, blonde exactly. hair, flowing in the wind. I, I, I'm loving the long hair. I'm loving the bandana. He looks a bit like David Nalbandian, a tennis player. He used to enjoy a, a bandana and long blonde hair. I'm um, oh, fantastic. And for me, I think it, it highlights Broad really has to has to play and get picked consistently. Broad, broad, as we posted in a meme on our Facebook page, you pick Broad at home. You pick Broad. Um, so should we just quickly run through the team again? Um, just how everyone's done, who might be slightly disappointed, and maybe our thoughts for the next next test? Sounds good, sounds good. Openers oh. first up then. Simply brilliant hundreds. Fair play. Uh, and even a good 50 in that second innings of the first test after getting out, leaving one in what the second over. We love to leave. Most test. leaves in the world. Um, most leaves in the world in the last year. Second, Marcus Labashane. Fourth, Ben Stokes, which we'll get onto in a bit. But yeah, simply loves to leave. And it's good as an opener that he's got his method and it works for him. And it's, it's not the prettiest to watch, but it gets the job done. It's what we've needed for years. <laughs> and that's not, an, that's not an overstatement. Yeah, and these criticisms, he bats too slowly, etc. It would be nice if he could kick on a bit quicker than he did. But there's no place for, I think, that kind of criticism at this stage. He's 24, he's only played a handful of tests, he's already scored 200. He's going to get better. He's going to improve in areas where he's weaker, rotating the strike, being able to hit through the offside more, because, I mean, he literally can't score a run in front of square on the offside but the thing is he's aware of it and he will work on it he's clearly someone who's very determined and he will work on this and he will improve and also he's aware of game situations he knew that he had to push the scoring along with Ben Stokes he struggled to do it for a bit and then he basically sacrificed his wicket that's fine if he scores 120 sets a base then gets himself out no one's complaining no exactly not not at all and I think compared to the the alternative which was he got out early, along with Burns and, and Crawley, and, and next thing you know, that they're, they're into us, and suddenly Pope, Butler, Curran, Bess all fall, and we're where we were in that first test. Yeah. Burns, on the other hand, hasn't had a fantastic start to the, the summer. He's got so out he's softly, hasn't he, to Royston Chase, every time. Yeah, which is, you know, I think it'd be very harsh to say he's got a problem against Royston Chase, because Royston Chase doesn't really do a lot with it. But, um, well, he does against England. Well, I think he gets in our heads against England. I think that's what happens. I mean, it doesn't really... He took an eight 
against us. Yeah, he's eight for sixty. And you see, you see something like best innings bowling, eight for sixty. Neil, blimey, I bet he bowled well there. And then you watch it. Well, he didn't really bowl that well. It was it wasn't really spinning. Yeah. Um, so Bur- Burns needs a score or two, but I know they'll come this summer. I think it's really nice just to know for once we've got a settled opening partnership, which is which is great to see. Well, I think he's won. He has won one accolade though this summer. Worst batting review of the series, I would say. Yeah, that was. I, well, I think simply has to take some responsibility for that as well. He should be telling him, mate, guys. Get out of it. Pitch middle. Hit halfway up. Hitting middle from a spinner who doesn't spin it. His bat was miles from the ball. It was, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible review. But now that teams get three reviews, perhaps we're going to see more of those kind of reviews because they're not quite so... Well, it was precious. interesting watching Jason Holder use refuse to try and burn time while bowling yesterday for multiple deliveries pitching yeah. miles outside leg. <laughs> there was that one which picked so far outside leg. You're kind of thinking, what? You can stay um, with your decision, Mike. <laughs> yeah, extraordinary. Um, but no, yeah. openers oh. looking good. Crawley, okay. Good 70 in the first test. It was a naive dismissal in the first innings of this test, wasn't it? Like, first ball after lunch. Just didn't seem to know Jason Holder was there. Tipped it, tickled it to him at leg slip. First ball off that man chase. Um Second innings, he was just coming out to Biff. It's not his fault, so you can't hold anything against him. So hopefully he gets a score well, in the yeah. third test. I hope so. I think he'll be given the summer. I think he deserves the summer to have a real real good crack at it. But obviously the longer, a bit like with Denley, the longer you do okay but don't get a big score, the more question marks, how many more chances are you going to get? You don't, you don't get forever, particularly when you've got someone like Dan Lawrence breathing yeah. down your neck, eager to play. Very exciting. That's been waiting in the wings. Absolutely. But hey, Crawley's done okay. I, I hope to see him really succeed. I think he, he does look the part, quote unquote. He looks good enough. He looks comfortable. It looks like he's got all, all the shots and is a player ready to do really well for England. It just hasn't quite happened yet with a big score. No. But hopefully one's just around the corner. Joe Root needs to just get Joe Root needs to start making some scores. Joe Root, he's so good. And I messaged my cricket group chat just saying Joe Root is just so much better than most of our team because you just watch him effortlessly move into the 20s where the others have been grinding it out. And then you just know that's a kiss of death and he's going to chase a wide one, which he did. And it's converting that obvious talent into tons again because apart from dead rubbers, it doesn't happen that much anymore. He gets a lot of 50s, no tons, and he's so good and he, and you just want him to start making scores in big matches. Yeah, I always look back at that double 100 in New Zealand last winter. was a... Fantastic innings, well batted, good for him to get past 50 and get a really big score. But it was on the flattest wicket in the world. And as soon as you're already 1-0 down and there was no chance we were really ever going to win that Test match and bring it back to 1-1, it was inevitably really going to end as a draw. And it did. And so great, double 100, looks good on the stats, all the rest of it. But fairly meaningless compared to, look at some of Stokes' innings, even this one, 170, and then the fastest 50 by English batsman in the second innings. Key moments, he stands up in the middle of big series, Headingley last year, even World Cup final. He's a big game player. He's the batsman you, you think is maybe going to score that match-winning 100 when it really matters. But Root should be that player as well. And I, I don't think Root's a bottled job. I think he's more than capable of doing that, and I think he will in the future. But he just needs to start scoring big runs when it, I, when it really I, counts. I still have this gut feeling that he shouldn't be captain, that he needs to be free to just do his job of scoring runs. And I know there's no obvious alternative to captain, but I do hope that a forward-thinking selection thing, in a year or two, um, if Roy Burns are a real fixture in the side, 
they might consider passing the captaincy over without Joe Root taking it personally, you know, as just a sort of, we're going to now give you a chance to go back to being a batsman and scoring loads of runs. Because I just think it might really free him up. I, th- I think Root would take that personally, though. I think it's, you only don't take it personally when it's your own decision to step back. Yeah. Um, you, know, you don't get to the top of elite sport to not think you can't do it all. And I think he's getting better as a captain. My dad still mutters under his breath and blames him for and thinks he's thinks he's rubbish. But I, I think he's really great growing into it. Uh, and he's building a team more and more in his image, quote unquote. It feels like a Joe Root team rather than sort of Alistair Cook team, which when he was first captain. I I like him. I I think we back him and see how he goes for the next couple of years as, as captain. He's definitely definitely improving, but needs needs runs to back it up. No, he does. And then Ben Stokes, I mean He's just a freak, isn't he? He's just the best. He can do everything. He can chase a ball to long off of his own bowling. Two wickets later to make the crucial breakthrough. He's make his sl- he scored his slowest test century in the same game as he scored the fastest test 50 by an Englishman in the second innings. He can literally do everything. He, he is the heartbeat of this team. Without it, it would be a bit rubbish. And as, as you were saying earlier uh, on our, yes, lost, lost recording, famous lost recording. Might be worth a lot of money one day. Uh, <laughs> going to Australia next winter, with Ben Stokes in your team, which we didn't have last time, you feel maybe we've got half the chance because without him, we're so much less than just not having a good all-rounder. Mm. He's almost got a, a bit like Flintoff had, almost like a the soul of the team. That's almost, almost spiritual element to what he brings to. They look at him as a true talisman. With him, we're such a better team. And, and this test, yeah, the wickets, the fielding of his own bowling, as he said, the both innings are fantastic in their own way. Such a slow 50 first time round, such a quick 50 second time round. He's, he's great. Ooh. And the transformation since Bristol and that nightclub incident is, is remarkable. And there's credit to him, really. He is one, now one someone who is so determined to make the most of his talent. And he trains the hardest. He's worked so hard on his batting. He's so sensible now, you know. Um, he's got a really good cricket brain and he manages games really well in his head. I mean, the fact that he's got the fourth most leaves in the world in the last year or whatever, Dom Sibley's top, but the fact that Ben Stokes has got the fourth most leaves is such a telling stat because he's become such a sensible and clever player. And he doesn't throw, like, he, I know he threw his wicket away a couple of times in the first test. Maybe you could put that down to rustiness and not having played in a while. But boy, did he make sure he didn't do it again in the second test. Yeah, and I think those, those two 40 odds just seem like lack of concentration, lack of focus when he got out to Holder softly both times. So in this test, there was a, it matter, we've got to win this test. The series is gone if we don't win this test match. And so he had a real laser-like focus to score runs and perform. And that, that's really great to see that when it really matters, when he gets his head screwed on, he's, he's nearly unbeatable. Shot of the series as well, I would say, the checked drive over long on for six was unreal. <laughs> that was mental. I mean, it tells you something about his bat as well, but phenomenal shot, phenomenal timing, everything. He, he is a great, great player. Middle order quickly, Pope Butler, Pope, Pope I feel... Pope want to score, yeah. Yeah, Chris needs to score. It was a great catch from him to win, win this test at the end. And he looked uh, quite good there. with Stokes at the end, actually, when they were just piling on the runs and that decoration thing. I know it's not really test cricket, but like he looked good, and we know he's got. We know he's incredibly talented. He just needs the score that his talent merits, and he will be disappointed he yeah. hasn't got one yet. And then Butler, we won't dwell too much on this. There's enough angry forty-year-old men on Facebook groups 
berating Butler and the fact he's still playing in this test team. His, uh, his shot in the second innings of the first test was a disgrace. I said it in the podcast before, you called me up and out, I'll say it again now. I'm not saying Butler's a disgrace, I love Butler. His shot there was a disgrace and he won't get dropped for the next test. He did okay, he's done okay in the series, but long term it should be, folks. It just should be. Um, you wait, that, that double taunt from Joss is round the corner. That moment when he breaks, this, this upcoming test match is going to be known as the test that kick-started Butler's test career. I can you know sense what? it. No, but you're right, actually, because uh, you're right, because he, he, we need him in to attack once we've got a bait. Oh, it had, he had the chance to do that, didn't he, in his first time? He still didn't do it. Anyway. It's, it's, it feels like this is never going to happen, but he's certainly given the, this upcoming test. Uh, yeah. and prob- I think he'll probably get the rest of the summer. But He, did, he will. He's, he's got 40. He's running out of time, isn't he? The, the experiment can't fail, Rob. Ed's experiment can't fail. I do think, yeah. I think Ed Smith's a very clever man, but I think he's got a big ego as well. And he does not want to drop Joss. He does. And having, having once been at a sort of Q&A with Ed Smith and hearing him say that he thinks, he compared, in the space of five minutes, he compared Joss Butler to Brian Lara, A.B. de Villiers and Viv Richards. So that gives you an idea of how he views Joss Butler as a player. He thinks he's the most naturally talented player England has produced. And in one sense... I kind of agree with him when he sees some of the shots he can play in one-day cricket. Oh, but he's just not done it in Test cricket, and maybe he never will. But I'm still, I'm still hoping. Every night I go to sleep, hoping the net, the tomorrow is going to be the day that the Joss Butler goes big <laughs> in Test cricket. Quickly then, the bowlers. Uh, interesting. Two different team attacks from one Test to the other. First Test was, as we mentioned, bowled poorly, Archer poorly, but then very well. Anderson, okay. Second time round, well, Broad superb. So he's maybe nailed on the fact that you got to you got to play. Broad's got to play, and then Wokes Woke, in current. Wokes superb past the hundred Test wickets in this Test match. Continues to highlight what a what a good player he is, and then and then Curran, the enigma that is really he shouldn't be good. He shouldn't take wickets. He's too small. Quite slow. He's got some nice variations, but not that much going on. But he just keeps taking wickets and important wickets as well. And we keep winning when Cullen plays. I thought he's got to stay on the side. I think it'd be so unfair to drop him. He, every time we pick him, he plays brilliantly. But then we don't pick him because in his skill set on paper suggests that Archer should be better, Anderson should be better, Wakes should be better. I'm just going to quickly get off Cullen's stats for this test. Because, right, hold on, Rob. So, played brilliantly, right? Is that, what you, is that your claim? Because he did play well and he made some key breakthroughs. But in the first innings, he bowled 20 overs, 70 runs, two wickets. That's okay. It's not bad. And then in the second innings, eight overs, 30 runs, one wicket. Again, it's all right. He didn't bowl brilliantly. But Curran is someone who people have put the label on. He makes things happen. And I think Barney Roney tweeted, you know, you can't overstate the value of being a cricketer someone's put that label on because it means stats don't matter anymore. It's just about the perceived perception, right? And in this test, his stats do not stand out. He didn't play brilliantly no, stats, but he did make the key breakthroughs. And I do take your point. I think Cohen's a really good player. I personally would rather have Archer in my team because I think he's a better bowler. He's a better bowler for the next 10 years. But I get your point. Cohen is a bit harshly treated, but that is, I think, because he is like the kind of cricketer he is and he's you struggle to find a mold for him and it is a bit harsh to drop him but it's a difficult one for me 
it is a difficult one for me. And but I, I think like... the most telling stat for Curran is 18 test matches and we've won 13 of them. Yeah. That, that's such an important stat. We're picking at not a team of individuals. We want an 11 that's going to win games. And when Curran's part of that 11, we do well. And so I'm starting to move towards perhaps an exciting bowling attack, particularly in England. Archer, Broad, Current, very different bowlers, all bowlers that make things happen. Current with that left arm, takes important wickets, offers something very different to Archer in particular. I think they could bowl very well in, in tandem. If you're picking Curran as one of you, as your third seamer, you need to have a spinner who you really rely on to bowl a lot of overs. Because in my head, Cohen's more of a fourth seamer than a third seamer. Um, and you don't want Ben Stokes bowling too many overs because he's doing everything else. So if you're going to pick Cohen, you need a spinner who you can absolutely back to hold and end up. Is Don Best that man? No, well, no, but sort of. I mean, again, on pa- he's another one on paper. Absolutely not. He doesn't spin it. He bowls okay, tight enough lines. But he has, until a little bit of this most recent test, where he got attacked a bit more by the West Indies. He has performed really well for England when he's played. Uh, and maybe in time he will be that spinner. But probably at this stage, no. He's just not quite... He has done well. We didn't like his send-off, did we? The lovely Jason Holder. Lovely guy. You know? Yeah, I mean, the Jason Holder fan club maybe should be the renaming of this podcast. But yeah, telling him to F off, I didn't, I didn't have a huge amount of time for that. But, um, it was basically because he'd been tonked everywhere and he was upset he thought he might get dropped. Um, but they clearly like him. They like his character. And I think he's, I, I agree, he's done a good job for England. I would be giving Leach a go in the next test. If I had to pick my seam lineup right now, my optimal lineup probably would be Broad, Wokes and Archer. But maybe I'm being short-sighted. Maybe I'm missing the current thing. So I think our compromise probably, it sounds like, is Broad, um, Curran and Archer. Um, broad current archer with maybe Leach as our spinner although you think maybe give Best another test yeah I'd say Leach with Best flip a coin I'd probably give Best one more go harsh on Wakes I love Wakes um, and of course harsh on Jimmy in many ways because he didn't bowl badly in that first test but I I want to give Archer another go I, I think we've got a basically for me on balance the, our two best bowlers so far in the series have been Archer and Broad so they should play again into the decider and then it's almost flip a coin between Anderson Wakes and Curran mm. as to who your third bowler would be I'm I'd really like not... to see Curran go again we, we win games when Curran plays so why not play Curran because we want to win the game that's like, I mean I know that's simplistic and I get a lot of hate for this I'm sure from certain people I know but I yeah I'd, I'd like to see Curran go I, again I wouldn't fall too much into the trap of that Rob though because like Tim Bresden had an unbelievable England record as a player and he was a good England player but he won his first 15 tests or something but it's not just because of that player that they're winning the test. So I don't, wouldn't fall too much. No, no, I, 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 no, I, I take that. But it's Tim, Tim, Tim Preston had a fantastic winning record because he was playing in a team that was killing it and he just happened to be the 11th bloke who got picked. Yeah. That's not the case with Sam Curran. He's played me- meaningful contributions. I'm pretty sure he was player of the series in the end of that India series a couple of summers ago. I suppose the thing you have to think about, though, how effective is Curran overseas? because you do have to work that into long-term planning. I don't really buy into the whole, let's pick Wood so he gets ready for the Ashes series in 2021, because that's nonsense. But I'm not sure Curran is that guy who's going to bring you back the Ashes from, from abroad, because I just don't think he'd be that effective in Australia. Prove me wrong, Sam Curran, but that's kind of my hunch. I'm also not convinced for this next test that England management are going to have the guts to pick Curran, out and out pick him in favour of Anderson, because they obviously rested Anderson. 
but I'm not sure they're going to pick him ahead of him. I also think, and we'll discuss this now, I don't think, I'm not sure they're going to pick Archer because I think mean, they might think it sends the wrong message after what happened before this test. Yeah, and after winning this most recent test, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually go for an unchanged lineup, same test, same ground. It is on Friday though, so I think they might rest, they might rotate a little bit because of the fact it's a short turnaround. I mean, it will be interesting to see how they do select. But shall we say for now then we go current Archer Broad? Let me have my moment in the sun and give Sammy Curran one more go. Yeah, fine. I want to see his short arm, his little, his little self and his little arms whipping into the action. Yeah, exactly. It's harsh on weight, so I thought bowled so well. I'm a big fan of. But, but there we go. Quickly then, last but not least, Joffre. It was incredibly, I think it was a massive mistake from Joffre. Terrible, really bad error of judgment. Um, and I think he's gotten away with it a bit, to be honest, with just the one game missed. Um, a warning and a fine. I think they've only come showing good understanding, and it was good to hear Ben Stokes talk about the fact we need to support him now. Um, and you know, we do support him because he's young and he's learning, he made a mistake. I do think, however, it makes me really question the travel arrangements. Why are they Why are they all driving separately to a game? I get you don't want them all packed onto a coach, but why not just hire three big coaches and split them out across the coaches? I don't know, it just feels like you're asking for trouble by asking all the players to drive up separately. There's so many variables. Like, what if one of them breaks yeah. down, you know? And even packing them all into one coach. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all in a dressing room together. They're all living completely in, like, their own bubble as it is. It felt like every player's travelling separately to the ground. It feels like a, a kind of almost like you're virtually signalling of coronavirus social distancing. You're right. No, it seems stupid. I wonder if they'll change it. One thing I did see was that it, they didn't want all the players to have to go and get their cars from another bit of the country when they're done with the test series or something like that. So they want the players' cars to be with them, which I guess is practically sensible-ish. But to me, it just doesn't sound like a good enough reason to have this stupidly risky approach. Um, yeah, I, I don't, that, that does actually make a bit more sense. I don't know. That, I, I didn't realise that. and That does make a bit more sense. So maybe I'll... Although you're not convinced by it. I, I think that's just about fair enough reason. No, but like, we've all been on trips. We've all been on coaches. You get dropped off at your house after the trip. Like, I just feel like they've got the money. They've got the logistical arrangements to work out how to get the players home after the games without expecting them to bring their cars to Southampton and Manchester. You know, it just doesn't seem the most sensible thing. Perhaps it doesn't. And although at the same time, you could, I'd expect and I'd trust a group of adults to follow instructions and drive straight to the next location. No, you won't. No, it's judgment. Silly of him. Frustrating from England fan point of view, but we did win the test. So at the end of the day, it was all... It's all gravy. All gravy, indeed. It's all gravy, baby. Um, <laughs> well, well, for we a second go. run, I think we did all right. Yeah, dare I say, better than the first run. So maybe my MacBooks updates weren't the, weren't the end of the world at the end. It's going to be exciting. Do you think we're going to win this final test? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I think we've had the wake up call we need at the start of the test. And I think despite their batting lineup really plugging away and trying very hard, I just, like you said, I don't think they've quite got the quality if, of our players, players they should. I think we, we look hungry and up for it and Stokes and Nick and the opener's looking good and a plethora of bowling options. I, I don't think we can, you can pick any of them and I think you'd be confident they'll bowl pretty well. Just a um, final thing. Hopefully, cool, Ricky Ranking Cornwall plays. Um, I think the Wendy's will have to rotate because Sandy Gabriel looked knackered. Azari Joseph didn't have a great test. So I think they'll definitely be bringing in Cornwall, which is exciting. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant cricketer. And I think it'll be interesting to see how a spinner really spins the ball 
a proper spinner, if you like, goes in in the final test. And Old Trafford, where it often does turn, be nice to see him play. I think the West Indies definitely need to rotate. So a bit of fresh blood from them needed. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe someone could come in for the final test and be a, a match winner for either side. All to play for. Uh, but it's, it's been great so far. I'm so pleased it's back, even if it's behind closed doors. Exactly. All right. Have a lovely day, Rob. Have a good one. And I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. Cheers, mate.